0: Hey there, Matt here. Before we get started, just want to let you know that we will be sprinkling some book knowledge into our podcast. Don't worry, they will not spoil any aspect of the story. They're just more supplementary. However, if you're a person who absolutely hates book reader knowledge in your TV talk, then this podcast probably isn't for you. Also, we're sorry. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hope you enjoy
1: Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series.
0: Holly's always right.
1: Oh, that's so nice to hear.
0: So you're saying that you completely agree with Holly? Is that what you're saying? She's always right. So, <laughs> obviously.
1: And the HBO Game of Thrones
2: franchises.
3: Holly is always right. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing. That-
2: you're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to Do, 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 do,
0: do, do, do. do. Before we get started today, A quick apology should be made in the fact that when we discussed Aegon, Holly and Kelly did in fact advocate for the fact that Diana was a victim of sexual assault. I edited the podcast due to time constraints, which didn't really include a whole lot of that. Because of that edit, I feel that I erred in the fact that this issue was not addressed properly. It is without doubt that you must know that this podcast did not intentionally do so in order to propagate an already very sick rape culture that American society is embedded in today and for having really a lack of any real conversation about the issue i sincerely apologize and now the start of the podcast
3: holly was well, right <laughs>
0: Welcome to Before the Dragon podcast. As you just heard John say, he's just practicing getting that last one out there so that uh, he can be on the receiving end this week. Because Kelly, who served, who drew an instant death last week, will have to serve a punishment this week. She is serving. John is always right. She was so inspired by his performance of, you know, uh, basically saying every crazy thing that Holly said last week was correct that uh, she decided she'd try it too and i've challenged john to say some things that kelly could not uh, agree with but he has Mm. refused so it'll just be up into the wind i really tried it's burrito night here at before the dragon podcast and regardless of that we are here to talk about season one episode eight it is entitled the lord of the tides and it was a wonderful episode if you're into tragedy if you're into uh, the the horror and and being emotionally traumatized uh, for the rest of your life especially if you're a little two-year-old peering at your zombie grandfather but enough about that it's time to get to our ratings we're going to start with kelly this time around what was your rating for season one episode eight the lord of the tides kelly
1: Hi guys. Welcome back. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this one, but it was, uh, there were too few dragons. We had eggs, but you know, so I, I, I weighed everything. It was, it was a dragon short of of Matt's score that you gave on the initial reaction. So, um, I went with a nine, uh, I, I was looking for dragons and we didn't get any. So, uh, but yes, Patty Constantine, amazing acting. So, so good. Um, God, it was, it was moving and, um, it made up for the lack of dragons. Obviously a
2: nine is pretty high. So <laughs> a nine.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, Holly, how about you?
2: Um, I've said it a lot this season. This is my favorite episode of the
0: season so far. I uh, like watching people die slowly, I, painfully. Yeah.
2: Oh man. Uh, I, even though I do agree with Kelly, this, we could have had a, a few dragons in this episode. I think it was outstanding without any. And I'm giving it a 9.5. It was incredible. Oh. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Going to watch it again. Four times.
0: Okay. Excellent. Susan, once again, welcome back. Really appreciate you being back with us this time around. What was your rating for Season 1, Episode 8, The Lord of the Tides?
4: You know, Matt, I, I love this episode so much. I was actually, on initial viewing, I was going to give it a full 10 out of 10. Wow. But then I listened to your initial review of it.
0: Uh-oh. And
4: on giving it some thought, I went ahead and marked it down two tenths of a point. So I'm going to call it a 9.8.
0: Oh, All right. Well, what did yeah. what did I say to down you? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, there's two things, one from you and one from listening to other people comment on some of this stuff too. The one being that They went so far on the uh, makeup, prosthetics, and CGI with Viserys that, uh, you know, I think they took it to an extreme that they really didn't need to. Mm. Um, And it made it a little bit uh, unlikely or unbelievable. Right. And the other thing is the very ending. And I've heard a lot of people are unhappy with the way um, they ended it with that miscommunication with Alicent. I understand what they're going for, but I think there were some inherently bad decisions in doing that. Those are those are my only two complaints. Other than that, I was thrilled with the episode. I, to me, this was one of my favorite episodes. Even with all of the Game of Thrones episodes, I mean, if I'm looking at anything from this from this universe, I really loved this because it was so emotional it's like the red wedding gave us horror and uh astapor was exhilarating when when uh uh, daenerys freed the slaves but this one was just so you know emotional and pulling your heartstrings i don't think i've ever felt that as deeply as i did
0: uh, for this episode john uh what is your rating and what did you think of kelly's rating (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh i thought kelly was just fine because i felt the same way uh i'm at a nine so,
0: so therefore kelly can say
1: john you're very right in that, that number
0: thank you thank you i am <laughs> right. indeed. what'd you like <laughs> and dislike John? oh
3: it was i mean every what everybody said is true the thing i i guess the thing i didn't like was that i think this time jump is probably the hardest one to swallow this one was way more abrupt. Um, it didn't give it enough chance for those kids to breathe. However, it worked for me. I struggle with it on behalf of non-book readers because I've already heard a couple people complain personally. They, they don't listen to the podcast, so I don't have to worry about offending them or anything. But they had mentioned that the time jump was a little bit rough. However, the Dragon egg clutch, big cool factor. That court scene. Was very epic on a, a very personal level, for not only the walk, which I timed it, it was like five minutes of screen time we had to watch that man walk. It was insane. Wow. And <laughs> it was nuts. I couldn't believe it because I was fast forwarding to get to this. I was like, I gotta, gotta skip over some parts because I'm not gonna be able to get it all in. And I was like, five minutes for him to walk from one door to the throne. That's crazy and then uh my favorite scene was probably uh Vayman in the uh clear cutting uh valerian steel from Damon that was pretty awesome.
1: Good, super right. I mean 100% best. <laughs> I would have said that anyway, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, I'm just trying to spur you on a little bit. Please oh, do, please do. Uh John, it's very unfortunate that you skipped that 5 minutes because that is the entirety of my musical analysis is that wonderful 5 minutes that Ravine spent helping us to say goodbye to Viserys before we actually had to say goodbye to Viserys. Uh, if you're not into the music, skip ahead about 11 minutes and you'll be good. You'll be back with us. We'll, we'll do the wheel of topics. Well, there's no other scene that we can really break down except the throne room scene and viserys's entrance and going up to the throne a very emotional piece of music wonderful acting by all of the actors portraying the characters expressions as they see him struggle to get through the hall to the throne and then get up on the throne everybody was incredible in this scene especially patty the grunts the groans the struggles And I love the way that Ramin actually, at times, got out of the way for that so that that would come through, either by, you know, reducing the orchestration or having it larger to give the drama as the other characters react to his entrance. And there are two themes that we've heard before that are used to create this wonderfully emotional piece. In fact, I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now. One we've heard many times before through eight seasons of Game of Thrones, and that is called The King's Arrival, or at least that was what it was originally titled on the Season 1 official soundtrack. It was a theme that for a long time, people who didn't understand the context or maybe didn't hear the theme applied in different situations thought it was a Baratheon theme. It really stopped being a Baratheon theme when Joffrey, who was not a Baratheon, had it used for him when he was killing all of the potential bastards that might take his throne at the end of the Season 2 premiere. But people maintained it was a Baratheon theme. I think they finally learned the lesson. Hopefully they learned the lesson by Season 8 of Game of Thrones when it was used for Jon Snow, when it was revealed to him by Sam that he was a potential heir to the throne. Or maybe even before that, when him and Daenerys came into Winterfell itself it was used there as well but the way that we've normally heard it is different than the way we heard it here in the fact that the tempo is different and usually there's brass instruments used with this theme but here it was all strings first let me play you what the original theme sounded like because it has like a bounce to it it feels kingly and noble and the first part of it sounds like this Now, the theme does have two parts. This is just the first part, but it is the part we hear when Viserys is announced and the door's open and he starts to enter the room, or try to enter the room, but it doesn't have any of that power. Instead, it's played with a solo string instrument or some kind of solo instrument that demonstrates how weak he is as the king. Not in terms of the way that he rules, but, you know, just physically unhealthy there's no heraldry here it's just kind of sad and this whole melody is in minor there are implications of major somewhat in the original theme but here almost everything is applied as minor as well and as we know from me saying many times major tends to make us feel happier lighter minor tends to make us feel darker in this case sad It is also much slower, which takes the bounce out of it, and of course is appropriate because Viserys is moving slow. I hate to be so literal, but how fast or how slow things are played is called the tempo, and here the tempo is slowed way down for Viserys. As I mentioned, there is a second part of the theme that we know as well, and once again, let's go to the original and listen to it first, and then we'll do some comparisons with this particular scene. So, first, let's go to that first part. And as I said, it was played at the beginning, but I really kind of want to concentrate on the end, where as Viserys is being helped up by Damon into the chair and is settling back into it before he really speaks to anyone other than Otto. In the original theme, we only had a single chord being played under this part, but here, Ramin. Reharmonizes. He adds different kinds of harmonies underneath and even changes the melody just a little bit at the end to create a little bit of tension by ending on what we call the dominant chord, which always feels like it needs to resolve back to the one in order to make us feel like everything's complete. But here he doesn't complete it, which psychologically creates a lot of tension for us. But listen to the different chords underneath and how they add Even more of a sad emotion than just the straight chords that you heard in the very first piano part that I played. Here it is. very powerful those chords that he used underneath the way they move they accentuate the sadness each simple chord creates a whole new dimension over just a powerful melody over a single chord and that's really at the very end but we haven't talked about the second part of that theme being used as well and that happens right before it happens right after viserys tells otto that he's taken over for the day and starts to try to make the climb. Very powerful strings and everything with new harmonizations underneath as well to demonstrate how much of a struggle it is for Viserys to get up there. How much of a metaphorical struggle as well. And I don't want to break down what chords are used just like I didn't with the last part, but this is extraordinarily powerful. If you're familiar with the way the theme normally works, and hopefully me playing it, the second piece that I played, compare it to what this sounds here, much slower. Again, there's no brass in it or anything like that. It's just strings, very emotional. And there's movement that we call counter movement, where the bass line moves in the opposite direction of the melody, which makes things even more emotional. It sounds like this. It's very clever use of the dominant chord. And don't worry, I know I'm throwing a lot of terms at you. Don't worry about that. Where that piece ends feels like it needs to lead somewhere else, right? And this is the point where you don't know whether he's going to make it get up the stairs or not. And it's right up to the point before Damon is there to help him. And then that's when we get the piece that I played before this. At the very end, as Damon helps him get up the stairs. Using the five chord like this, the dominant chord, because it makes us want to have some kind of resolution, makes you wonder in your mind, is he actually going to make it? Is anybody going to help him? Is he going to let anybody help him? And then Damon is there and you get the resolution back to the one where that ending part starts that I played earlier. The funny thing is, is that that ending part ends on a five chord as well. And that is to create the tension of what's he going to say? That's what all the characters are there for. They're waiting to see what he says. And that's what we're wondering as well. We're even wondering if he's going to just die there on the throne. So using the dominant chord to create these tensions really, really helps out. So that's the breakdown of what happens with the theme that we've known for 10 years, more than 10 years now. But there's another theme that was used principally in the middle of all of this. Absolutely beautiful theme. And we've heard it before as well. Think back to the scene in the very first episode where we had that montage between Damon and Kristen Cole fighting and them cutting the baby out of Emma. I covered what this theme, how it made things seem tragic in our podcasts covering that episode. So go back and listen because I'm not going to go through all of that again. But here, because it's even slower and because he's applied new harmonies to it and new orchestrations to it, there's a point in the middle of this at the beginning of the second phrase of it where just the adding of a single sung voice creates even much more emotion timbrally And again, these new harmonies that are placed underneath the theme as compared to the way you'll hear it in the scene in episode one, makes it that much more emotional, makes it that much more tragic. And that's what this theme is. It has always been a tragic theme for Viserys. At the time, maybe in the first episode, we didn't really know its context because this was happening to Emma as well. And I even said in my analysis, I'm like, I don't know if we'll ever hear this again. Well, we've actually heard little snippets of it, I think, throughout the course of the season. I would have to go back and check on that to be sure. But the other thing that I find interesting is it seems like that this theme, if you think about the first three notes, is based on this King's Arrival theme that we've been talking about. That's what we call melodic shape, when two pieces of music have the same notes in them, but then start to differentiate after that. The melodic shape is the same, this ascending minor melodic shape. And that's what I'm going to leave you with before we get back to our Wheel of Topics, But this is just absolutely a beautiful piece. So thanks for listening and back with the panel in a minute. these glasses no good they're all fogged up uh gee john tell me what what does the wheel say
3: well if if my if my uh, non-glass using face can read that far far wheel away from me it says really a misinterpretation from a man who misinterprets who he's talking to this is how it all begins the war
1: no we do we have a buildup of tension a buildup up of uh, uh... Actually, the, everyone coming back together, um, and we had this moment of reconciliation, and we thought maybe everybody was going to be okay. John, did you have hope for everybody in that moment? Did you think everything from this from here on out was going to be cakes and roses?
3: I, I was very, very. Uh, I felt like Charlie Brown. I already knew Lucy was going to take that football away from me when, to, when I went to go kick it. <laughs> And 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 they almost had me. They had me. They're like, we got you. We got you. They actually made me believe. I'm like, oh man, Nira, Allison, they they did like the almost the like probably women's equivalent to the Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, Carl Weathers, Predator. Like you you don't know the bicep like handshake. Oh man, it's a great reference. It, it, they just they it's a meeting of hands minds all at once. Matt knows what I'm talking about.
0: Sort of. <laughs> Matt, you're doing a
3: really
2: good Viserys impression right now when he's on milk and coffee. <laughs> the
0: only no, thing is, can't. is I still have both of my eyes. That's the oh, only difference. Okay. Yeah.
3: Uh, oh, Make Kelly. Your assignment this week is you have to go watch The Predator. It's a classic. You have to watch that movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, you're crazy. right. We'll see if I'm a good student or not.
3: You're probably not, and then you're going to get a failing grade, and
1: you am going to be
3: very disappointed in Sammy. Just saying. <laughs> oh,
1: fair. Sammy into this. But no, Matt. Did you have more about this number you wanted to ask about specifically? Because I, I don't know if I led that as well as you were intended
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm just the, saying. The meanness
2: about the the the
0: promise allison is going to obviously misinterpret what he said as being about her son as opposed to aegon the conqueror uh that hints the i understand when actually he thought he was talking to Rhaenyra, right Mm -hmm. so really we're gonna have after this wonderful bridging of a relationship earlier in the episode it's just going to go to pieces because of this felt that I felt that that was a bad reason to have it done. I thought that, the, you know, they had built up the tension so well throughout the last couple of episodes. You didn't need this. the As John put, you know, doing the old Charlie Brown where Lucy, Lucy puts the football out there and you think it's going to be okay. And then they just, she just jerks it back and Charlie Brown ends up on his back um that seemed a a little bit um cheap to me did anybody else just think it was great
1: i thought it was bizarre that they built up um alicent as being so pious and faith of the seven and then suddenly she's going to flip and suddenly and believe this targaryen prophecy that seems to have no relation to the faith and now she's supposed to be all in to the point of going to war with this friend that, childhood friend that she's reconciled with like it was a bit very bizarre
2: i don't think allison believes the prophecy i don't think allison knows what she heard i think allison heard her heard him say "Aegon" and assumed he was just talking about her Aegon and not Aegon the conqueror yada 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 i think and and you're right i agree with you that she did used to be pious but i think she threw that out the window when she decided to marry her own children to each other when like it was what back when she was telling off Rhaenyra like calling um uh, the queer customs that her family has so she already like has had you know turned hypocritical a little bit so uh, for this for the whole this whole prophecy thing I just I literally just wrote meh in my notes <laughs> I, I think it does a little to maybe make Allison a little bit more um empathetic and relatable and like she has a reason now she wants to put egg um forth because that's what he she thought he was telling her even though we know you know that she's wrong i don't know i just was just like whatever mm. all of this was going to happen regardless whether viserys was muttering before he died or not whether allison wanted it to or not Otto was going to push her in that direction anyway i think this doesn't change the outcome mm. at all
0: i will say this that i honestly believe uh or at least i was sold by the episode that both allison and otto in these waning years of viserys's life honestly i mean yes they had a chance where they could rule things and they did have this thing in front of them where they could have um helped her children's cause but i didn't see anything but concern from Allison and Otto in regards to Viserys um, this entire episode. I think that uh, you look at those looks of concern uh, as he's coming into that throne room. And it has nothing to do with like, oh, no, what's he going to say? It has everything to do with, oh, no, what's he doing here? He's going to hurt himself. I was I was really concerned, uh, even Otto, both Otto and Allison. I thought that they were both genuinely concerned for Viserys's health in that moment um nobody's going to convince me otherwise of course i may be wrong uh you know and we can simply say john can say you're wrong and then uh kelly will say you're right and that will mean that holly is also right and i'll be out of the wind but i (laughs) nobody's going to convince me otherwise
1: No, I I agree with that because I think that there's like something to be said for like um, caretakers and even, I don't know, this is not a one-to-one comparison, but you can picture Otto this way if you want But when somebody who marries somebody really much, much older than them for their wealth, but they still care for them, like part of me doesn't like, yes, they married them for their wealth, but they're still their caretaker and they're still, you know, with them every day, taking care of them every day and treating them like a human every day. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm thinking of like gold diggers and specifically that kind of trope in the end, but like at the end of the day, you earned it, you know, <laughs> you put in the work and like Allison has put in the work and like Ranier's toast said, I think she really cared and had a generous and, and giving, you know, spirit throughout her marriage. And she, even if she just saw it as her duty, like she still was a sympathetic person. And I think she was trying to do her best and for his being. um, I it, compared to to Veyman. If you saw Veyman, like was justifying what ended up being his ambition, it, like it, like he didn't fold even when we'll get into this later. But like when uh, the marriage proposal was offered, he didn't fold, so he still wanted to just point out that they were bastards. So it was clear that he was just being ambitious, as opposed to um, I think Otto and Allison's um, ambitions here are. Are a little bit more nuanced, at least. Or they're just or they genuinely care and they're ambitious. Sorry for
0: me. Yeah, to it can be both. Be the case.
2: That's that's kind of how I fall. Um, I am not as forgiving to Otto as Matt is. I still think Otto's number one goal is to further his family and Um, not that he doesn't care about Viserys in the process but like I think that's his main goal whereas Allison I think is is flipped I think she really does care for her husband and we saw we saw everything that she was doing for him and I believe it I believe I believe both their toast as well we're not quite there yet but like I I thought what everything they said was genuine that they said to each other um I do not believe though that like whether Viserys told alicent the prophecy on accident or not like whether she would have heard that or not i think in the end otto would still be trying to put aegon on the throne and driving her towards that conclusion without any extra help from viserys confusing her a lot
0: holly i agree with you that the fact it doesn't matter what viserys was actually talking about what alicent heard right was aegon my point is is that that seems like after all of this tension that they they built up beautifully and then tried to dispel in the middle of this episode that seems like an awful cheap way to bring allison back into villainy or whatever i'm I'm
2: not calling her a villain i'm i'm also i'm agreeing with you but i'm also saying you can't dispel that many years of tension with one good moment either like you know what i'm saying i
0: I haven't know. been in the same room for years, evidently.
2: No, but even what we've seen Allison and rhaenyra like almost kind of like make up like this before and just not get all the way there. And I think they've actually come closer than ever this time, but now you know, things are not gonna probably be yeah. like that, clearly, because now Viserys is because
0: dead. of an extreme coincidence of a guy thinking that he's talking to his daughter when he's actually I don't to think
2: I, so I don't think it's all about that though. I mean I, I'm not putting all of it there. Like I, I don't
3: know. No, I, I mean, I, I think on its face, the way Matt's reading it is w- the way. That's the way they're intending the audience to read it, which I do agree with Matt. Is it does feel very cheap. However, me and how I'm reading it is, they wanted to make up, but there's going to be certain forces like Holly saying, and also like Kelly is saying. That they're going to be pushed and pulled so i think when she hears those things it's allowing her to think what she wants to think not necessarily what she was intending on doing i think given different circumstances viseris lived like a another couple of months that of were and her made up i think it could be avoided and i think they did a good job this just feels cheap because it happened so fast and i think that's it's part of the challenge with this this story they're trying to tell is they're trying to cram a whole bunch in there i'm not saying it's a good excuse i'm just saying that's that's how i'm
0: reading it
2: Saras kind of forgot he didn't tell allison about the prophecy like <laughs> it's it's well, it just, I, like i said i don't love i don't
0: know it. when you have milk of the poppy do you go back to the state that you were with the last time you had it because the last time he was having this conversation was with rainier mm, the night before it could be
3: it could Well, and
1: he did kind of tell Alicent about the prophecy during the hunt. He got drunk in front of the
2: fire,
0: and that was a different dream. He told
2: her about the dream that he had.
1: That was
0: that was a a different dream. Wearing that was his dream, not Aegon's dream.
2: Okay, yeah, that's his dream. His dream about yes, his son Aegon. Yeah. Okay.
3: Which I do love. I I that is maybe something you I don't want to forget. Which to was
2: believe. enough groundwork for like her to take whatever she took from whatever he was telling her and kind of grasp onto all of that and believe it. I think it just confirms her bias. It gives her motivation to pursue Aegon as team. I still yeah. don't think she's, you know, I, I'm I'm still not team green, but I, I understand where she can be coming from. Um it's I think it's just all to make everybody a little bit more empathetic
3: it's very complicated it is complicated and but mm -hmm. we
2: know what he was saying and it like i know what he was saying and it still didn't he still wasn't clear to me exactly what he was saying so if allison has zero clue then she should have less clue than you know than what i was hearing she should have no idea what he's talking about and that
0: that was the whole point of her saying i understand at the very end is because (laughs) she has totally misinterpreted what he said
3: Yes. Yeah, she got her jump to conclusions mad out. She made a big leap, and um, now we're gonna we're gonna have bunt. We'll get the dragons out. We're gonna let them loose. Not yet. Heck
2: yeah. Heck yeah. For <laughs> me, with all that said, they could have not come to. They could have not done any of this, and we could still. Mm-hmm. Be- in a, yep. in a spot where she would that's still want to advance again that's and, yeah. exactly
0: my okay. point yeah okay yes okay <laughs> well, then that's I why agree. it was cheap
2: then i then i guess i agree i don't know i i don't know i don't think about it was tragic i don't think, it it cheap. I don't think it it's cheap. A- sorry go ahead it was tragic uh-huh. you're right
1: Yeah, it was was tragic like that's what veneera needed to hear not Allison. and like how she was like his daughter was there crying saying this burden is so much and i i need you and i need to know that this is all worth it and of course she just needed that last validation from her father and he gave it just to the wrong person and it was so sad oh (laughs) the
4: you know i had mentioned when that uh Uh, episode where he was uh, drunk and talking to her at the the big bonfire um, that that maybe that was setting up her to you know think that that he was inferring that it should be Aegon Um, so I you know I, I see that they laid the seeds there but there are so many reasons just from what we saw in this episode for Allison to not be Jumping to the kind of conclusions that she was jumping to there, mm-hmm. um, including the fact that you know he, he had just been made this Herculean effort to support his daughter, you know was putting all of his support behind her. She had just seen that and uh, all the goodwill that had just been shown between them. The fact that she knows that Aegon is a horrible potential king, uh, just. All of that adds up to thinking that, yeah, I mean, yes, you can say she heard what she wanted to hear because it would uh, reinforce what she ultimately has been working towards. But I just felt like it was, yeah, they didn't, they shouldn't have gone that way with it.
0: What does it say, Holly?
2: Four went out for Viserys. Not a great king, but at least a decent man. Hmm. We'll see. I know I, Matt, I did listen to your initial uh, reaction this morning, and I do agree with you. On, and on, you said this on that podcast, and I do agree with that point. And I think he's a pretty well loved guy, too, because think about it. Like, we, in this one scene, he gets everybody together, they have a nice meal, and it's not until he leaves that like stuff gets bad and we start fighting again. So it was this whole episode was kind of like really fun foreshadowing for what's going to happen next because we kind of saw it on that small scale with the valerians Velary- and then like he leaves dinner and Amond immediately starts popping off with things i'm sorry we're talking about viserys right now so let me back up um i think it's really funny that uh, we are so conditioned with living in this game of thrones westeros world we're so conditioned to um expect sudden and violent deaths that. <laughs> Watching these showrunners drag out the longest death scene across five episodes of a season and watching everybody go crazy on the internet over it was so much fun. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And I think um, Patty had the best time. You can tell he had so much fun playing this role. And I'm really going to miss this character a lot. I thought it was awesome. And he deserves all the awards and accolades for sure.
4: Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, could he have been a more involved father with the uh, children with Allison? Uh, You know, I'm sure there's a case to be made there about that, but um, I don't think we saw enough of it to, like you're saying, to make a really strong judgment one way or another about that. You would think that at least while he was still healthy, that uh, you know, the bees of being a king would have taken up a fair amount of his time. Um, you know, he could have involved Aegon in that at, at a younger age. Um, so yeah, but I mean I do think that he was a decent individual. You know, and maybe it's my heartstrings being pulled, especially at the lengths that he went to in this last episode. But I just uh, I found the whole situation to be just so heartbreaking mm-hmm. with him, uh, you know, coming to the throne. And and I do want to comment one thing that um, in, in your initial discussion, you were talking about how you thought it was so unrealistic for him to have actually you know, gotten up on his feet and made it to the throne. And while I, you know, I I did, like I say, on reflection, agree that I think they went just a little too extreme with the makeup, prosthetics and all that to make him in such decrepit shape. I also think that there's this really uh, strong phenomenon that happens at the very end of life that you often hear hospice workers talk about where someone Mm -hmm. really gets that kind of last wind Right before they die, they often have like a really super good day, and that's to me. I was thinking of it in terms of that. This was, you know, he really rallied for Renira and was able to to do it for her and for wanting to try to pull the family together, which was his real greatest desire that he had. In, you know. Plus, i think that you know that would have made him happier than anything so to me it was kind of a symptom of of that was what was going on with him being able to to make it there and what he accomplished uh that day and that uh, that evening
0: good point regardless of of what truths were actually spoken at that dinner table or not he got his night you know his his actually the reason that allowed him to let go was the fact that he yeah. thought everything was going to be okay
4: right right yeah i felt good for him for that
0: yeah me too he was not a great king but he was a great man in my opinion kelly what do you got
1: oh i i very much agree every time patty would um i I always thought going off what you said matt ned had his honor um robert had his laugh uh had his smile i'll always say like he just could be in an awkward moment and then he'll just like look someone directly in the eye and kind of do this smile that went all the way to his eyes and he could just disarm the conversation anything that might have been awkward like when allison walked in um with her green dress like and he it was so awkward but he's uh you know with the silence and she finally you know takes her place next to him and he just kind of looks around the hall and does this smile that hits his eyes. Uh, the Patty Constantine smile will, will be what I remember from his performance for the most part. he was just so good about, and I think that that is his heart. And I think that's what he had, um, going for. I mean, he didn't make the best decisions. Uh, he didn't, uh, have the easiest time ruling, um, making, uh, everyone happy. Uh, <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> we could say to, to say the least, he left everything quite a mess. Um, uh, it was a little heartbreaking to see his, his old Valyria all um, covered in cobwebs. Um, but I was glad that it made it to the end. I kind of had this like sinking feeling in my stomach that he was going to, he was going to see it uh, get destroyed or somehow uh, before he died. I was worried for him because <laughs> it was his little project, but um, now for Becerra's, I think uh, I'm glad he got that moment uh, regardless that it. Um, probably wasn't as truly reconciliatory reconcili- recon- as he uh, thought it was in his mind, but it was a moment that I don't think a lot of people in that world get. So I was very happy for him.
0: One of the things that I loved, and then I'll turn it over to you, John. One of the things that I loved was uh, both him and Otto uh, at that dinner, when Jace, you know, takes the high ground and does the toast, and he's like, you know, good job, and and then uh, Helena gives her toast. And Otto nods and says, good, good job. <laughs> he's proud. Uh, just, I I love that moment. That was one of the most familial moments uh, I think I've ever seen done on Game of Thrones. Uh, so it was really great. But, uh, John, I know that you said, is he? So does this mean you're going to disagree and Kelly's going to have to change your mind because you're always right? I'll take it back. I doing?
3: mean, why not? I mean, I, I, w- I wouldn't say he's a great man. I'd say he's a good man. Um, I I think it's just, it's a different shade. I think, I think a great man would have been able to, uh, rule, be flawed, but rule effectively. Um, he was too indecisive. I think, I don't know, like in terms of he had, it's like the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'm sure he paved that road to hell four or five times over in his life. And he was probably kind of doomed from the get. Um, because of Jaehaerys tying his arms to the lords of the land instead of him actually ruling, not with an iron fist, but a little bit more assertiveness. I mean, it's. I think it's It's one of those things that it was spun, this tale was spun before Viserys was even a thought because you could tell he didn't want this. And I have a feeling Rhaenys would have led probably a stronger hand and would have been better. However, he was a good person. I just wouldn't say he's a great
0: man.
1: John, that's
2: that's a really good take. I think you're right.
0: Thank you, Kelly, for fulfilling your role and your punishment. You're darn tootin'.
2: That look on his face when it's Damon that like helps him on the throne oh. and he lets him. Oh my god, that is a top moment for me in the show now. Like, oh my god, I loved it. I loved it. it. Was that was such a great moment? And I think we needed we needed that. We've been watching this relationship between Damon and. Viserys kind of struggle um over these episodes so just to you know, I feel like they both were getting what they wanted from each other out of that moment you know Damon wanted his brother by his side and I think I really truly think that Damon still was not always lusting after his power and just wanted to be with him and help him and I think that's kind of what that moment showed for me. I don't know. I loved it. it was so good. It was so good.
1: that moment was um. really nice because like that's everything Damon. Fears. I feel like when you see somebody who's weak and just completely like ha- dependent on those around him and just like broken like that, like that's Damon's biggest fear, I think. And um, it was just in his face, but he still kind of overcame that to
2: be with his brother.
1: Oh, my heart. He, he <laughs> was it. needed.
2: He, his brother needed him. And Damon loved that feeling of his brother needing him to be there.
0: saris would not have accepted help from any other person anyone
2: else no it was such a beautiful moment for both of them oh i wanted to cry for both of them oh i loved it
0: It's
2: my favorite
1: thank you that was a good good memory holly
0: speaking of that um (laughs) when he came into the throne room with that gold mask and the gold mask that he came through with dinner and then took off why would you take it off during dinner i mean just that's just (laughs) grossing everybody out i guess it made everybody face the realism of, of what was about to happen to him but right uh he's not the only one he's not the only viserys who's ever worn a gold mask right
4: yeah yeah and uh and i will have to give credit to uh uh history of westeros i was listening to to their discussion about the episode and they uh brought up the fact that uh even the way it was just like covering one side of his face like that 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 yes. that was yeah. a strong callback to season one of game of thrones where we had uh uh wasn't the episode called uh, uh
0: a golden crown, crown king I think. or
4: a golden crown
0: yeah i think a golden crown was the title yeah
4: yeah yeah, so uh yes, so this is not uh that was not the first Viserys to have uh, a gold down, running down one side of his face.
0: Exactly. exactly. Incredible. Okay, Holly, where did it land?
2: Aegon alcoholism and agony.
0: Anybody think that if Aegon could just lay off the booze that maybe he wouldn't be such a jerk? I mean, I really don't. Mm, but- no. no No. nobody's uh, thinking that
2: Uh, i'm in the camp that alcohol kind of um just exemplifies enhances who you are or your your base self a little bit not not true for everybody all the time i'm sure i probably upset somebody out there just now but no i don't i think no
0: do you think he'd be worse without it
2: no i think he i think it wouldn't make a difference
0: Uh, okay kelly what do you think
2: Yes, alcoholism is the symptom,
1: Uh, his cause is depression, he said to his mom, you know, and this is again where I think Viserys was a good guy, not a great guy, because apparently his kids were miserable. Um, So yes, this uh, is a symptom of his problems, and I think the alcoholism is how he's uh, acting out or escaping his problems, and it does not do him well, apparently. Imagining yourself in this position where you know that when your father dies, like basically like what Luke said, like the only time like I will become relevant is when the people I love are dead. So like when I will become relevant, not only is it going to be problematic for the realm, and she's had he's had uh, his mom like beating on him and like basically in a panic telling him you can't do anything fun because you're going to be king someday, and that's just got to be super confusing to grow up as. And then after that. You know that, like, because you're a boy, you're going to be the cause of all of this angst and death in your family, let alone the realm. Like,
0: yeah, but wait a minute here. You said that Viserys is not a great man because of Aegon, but I'm hearing all of that coming from Allison, not in, not from him.
2: Yeah, but how much have we seen Viserys be involved in Aegon's life? We see, mm-hmm. we see, besides him carrying him around at his second birthday party, and they go like he takes him on a hunt after that he's like he yells at him um when he's a teenager for you know he already knows like he assumes that Aegon's the one involved with the pink dread nonsense he just Uh, doesn't seem like he's there for him and this episode you kind of hear Viserys mumble like something he's talking to Rhaenyra or about Rhaenyra he's my only child like he still thinks of her as his only child I Mm. mean how great of a dad is he really being to the rest of his kids it's like he feels like they're not really his children. And then Rhaenyra is only his real child from his first real love. Wow. And Yeah. So, I mean, that has to kind of mess him up a little bit. I'm not saying it's it excuses his behavior at all. The only time I feel a little bad for Aegon is when Alicent is beating on him. Because that can't be easy. But then I'm wondering, well, I mean, he clearly is getting into a lot of trouble. He's messing around with maids. What else has he done? And like, what is this? What she's doing? Is this what she's had to resort to? Because nothing else has worked. Like, I don't know. That's that's me just trying to be a little forgiving of Allison's behavior. But I don't know. I don't think they really give us enough.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the the the, the point that you guys have both made about his just kind of non existence in gun's life is probably enough. Uh, in actuality so I, I just wanted to make sure that we made that distinction uh in terms of the technicalities of who was saying what to who uh and how that might affect people nonetheless uh it seems to me that john can recur his role from last week and tell mm-hmm. holly that she's right and then oh, Kelly yeah. can tell john that he recurred holly's role right holly is
3: literally literally i don't i Well,
0: she's on my left right now on my screen. So don't say she's literally right. Um, No,
3: she's not literally right of you, but she's literally always right. Okay. As in correct.
0: And Kelly responds by saying?
1: Very coincidentally, John's always right. and
3: So So therefore... By the transit of power, we are all right.
0: One of these things is not like the other. One of these (laughs) things just doesn't belong. That means that Matt is the one like the other's that is always wrong all right so that's
2: why we let you edit the podcast
0: (laughs) it's my that's my punishment every single week Uh. (laughs) so one of the things uh actually susan that i really regret that we didn't address as much is Aegon's heinousness with diana so if you want to address any of that that's fine
4: well, in regards to the whole thing about Aegon being unfit to be the king and Alicent being fully aware of all the problems with her, her son, we had this horrific uh, example of that here where, mm-hmm. you know, first we went to, to Alicent um, and the uh, conversation that she was having with uh, the young maid, um, Diana in that circumstance you know there were just so many things playing into this in terms of Allison's own situation and what she's been through the fact that her own what we thought of her own moral values and attitude about things when she was a young woman and what she's had to put up with with being the wife of the of Viserys uh, in terms of her own agency and then to see that you know her son is is uh taking advantage of individuals who can't do anything back in regards to him primarily because of his position and so forth uh you know regardless of all the power dynamics that are there and that she would just uh, still even though you could tell that it hurt her and that she felt bad for this girl she was still going to Absolve his behavior and cover it up and do whatever she had to instead of you know trying to stand up to her son or or do anything about it i you know it's just yeah. it, the whole situation was was awful right
0: anything else on aegon himself?
4: well, I mean, I think that you know this pattern of his behavior has been well demonstrated over several episodes, and so this was just the culmination of how Badly, it's you know how it's grown to such a, a degree of terribleness. Um, but I have to admit that I felt a little bit of sadness for him in the fact that it's so obvious that he he's unfit for this role, but he doesn't want this role. Mm. He's being pushed by his mother, by his grandfather, you know, and he doesn't feel adequate to it um Allison you know slapping him around and this has been more than once or his grandfather kicking him I mean obviously this is uh a uh something that he's been subjected to so it seems like this there's whole cycle of um abuse and viciousness that's going on in this family even though on the surface they're trying to kind of hold themselves up as holier than thou and um, that they're above things when they're behaving so
1: badly behind the scene. Susan, do tell. The moment when Allison says to Diana, Diana, that's a pretty name, rang so many bells for me about Cersei saying that to either Sansa or someone else. And I can't place it. Right. Well,
4: you know, I felt the, the um, comparison with Cersei. I felt that those vibes as well. But I saw it as kind of a comparison contrast in that she, Alicent was behaving in some of the same ways that Cersei would in terms of she's just going to take advantage of these people around her that are in less powerful positions, the servants or you know anybody else she feels that she can just uh, you know do whatever she wants to with them to suit her or her family's needs. Unlike Cersei, though, I do feel that there in Cersei's circumstance, I don't think she could have cared less about the actual individuals themselves or had any true um, empathy for the for them. And I do think there is some of that there with Alison. Mm, So that I see that is a difference.
2: Sorry, I don't I don't know. I can't remember her saying she has a pretty name. I remember she tells. Alaria sand that her daughter has a really pretty face right before she gives her the kiss of death
1: she says it's a sansa that's a pretty dress did you make it yourself
2: mm-hmm. yeah or something
1: yeah. like that and i don't but i'm I'm sh- like i'm just hearing her say that exact phrase but i don't have yeah. time every week to watch the entire series of game of thrones So, so that that's, that's not the line movie. that stuck
2: out to me but allison said something that tywin said which is uh you are no son of mine
4: that's interesting too in that you know cersei was so supportive of her children you wouldn't see her doing something like that certainly not to joffrey i mean she excused all of his faults to a degree so again there's uh uh, some differences there one thing one one uh last thing though about the the situation with alice and diana is um in the moon tea that she gave her and of course here we see the hypocrisy that she was so uh horrified with um uh yeah yeah with her having the moon tea um but so ready to give it here and then listening to a few uh reviews and episodes I did hear an awful lot of people were suspicious that maybe there was something more in there that boon tea, that maybe that you know she was actually poisoning the girl to get rid of her. Now, I didn't read it that way. I don't think Allison would go that far, but I think it's interesting that it's kind of as if the show has um has kind of trained us to be worried that the absolute worst situation could happen in any in any, uh, circumstance. Um, and you have to uh, do, uh, acknowledge the fact that, uh, when her daughter came in looking for Dinah to dress the children, she wasn't to be found. So where did she go?
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like that, uh, you know, everybody's trying to just get to the finish line first, uh, because that's what podcasters tend to think, make headlines and everything. And I agree that you know, there are some things that you can never completely discount. But I think that if the show is going to make that kind of revelation, then we're going to find out pretty soon before the end of the season, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe they just, as in certain things, both in this show and from the book material that they took it from, certain things are left to be kind of vague and people have to make up their own mind about it. But, it wasn't really my interpretation from the scene. It seemed like with her paying her off the money and so forth that she was just kind of going to, you know, send her away, find her a different place to go or
3: whatever.
0: And John, did I, you really ha- did you have something? Uh,
3: no, I was just super, say? super excited to hear like those really great observations that I hadn't really kind of like. See, that's the type of I think they not that they want to like extend this th- series out, but like you could really like dug into that stuff. like. Like you could you could really breathe some depth into these characters.
2: I loved that moment. Uh and when you see the look on his face when Jace asked Helena to dance at the dinner. I thought that was great.
0: It was good payback.
1: That is that is the best way to handle like a, a joker like that. You know, just constantly be much more chivalrous than him. Yeah. And he will just look like a fool and don't sink to his level. And I don't know, however Whoever that was, whether that was Laner, whether that was um, Harwin, or whether that was Damon, whoever taught this boy, or Rhaenyra, I suppose, you know, she could have taught him how to be a man. But whoever taught this kid how to be like just a proper gentleman at that table, he's doing a great job. Jace. Oh,
3: you know that was Damon's work. (laughs) You know that was Damon's work. He's like, okay, how would everyone else shine me on and make me look like an idiot? I'm going to teach this kid to do that
0: are we not going to give some credit to harwin strong
3: he wasn't around long enough
1: he he into them up he probably into them up so they could wrestle
3: that part but
1: damon i love the meme of damon he's like i'm not the stepfather i'm the father i think i think (laughs) that we're
0: underplaying his his example the way that he treated rhaenyra the way that he was around rhaenyra would have been a great example to a kid at, at a very impressionable age from up to okay up to 10 years old
2: harwin yeah absolutely and and i i like that what you just said kelly but every time i i've heard that a couple of times but then i i'm like oh he's why is he a better stepfather than he is a like than he has a father to his own daughters because i'm not liking what we've seen so far as far as parenting with the with the girls seems kind of absent
1: but as far as like father to to child dynamics uh i would still say that Aegon got the short straw oh on.
2: absolutely
0: well let's talk about what everybody else is seeing in the show that i am just clearly not uh, uh all, all of this kind of uh conspiracy madness that people are seeing and and calling out that i i just have not seen demonstrated in the show have have your attitudes about any of that changed any i mean Viserys no. lived a long time uh yeah i would have taken care of him a lot quicker uh, right. Right. They just wanted him to suffer for some reason. I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I fully agree. I mean, and yes, I, I again heard this coming up with uh, when uh, Damon sniffed his cup to, you know, kind of uh, determine what they were uh, giving him that people were saying, oh, what does he smell there? Is he is it poison, too? Is it not just milk, the poppy? I think it was just milk of the poppy. Uh, frankly, I, I don't see that there would have been any advantage to them uh, poisoning him. I don't know who's, from whose perspective they would have wanted to have done that, because uh, I think for both Alison and um, her father at this point in time, they are in a better situation while he is still alive and just, uh, you know, in really poor health because they're able to kind of rule things, uh, you know, and once he is gone then the challenges are going to come
0: yeah exactly plus i think that uh, you know damon investigating that cup was more about commenting on damon's ability to determine what was going on than it was you know it's just like oh well they're they're just keeping him half asleep all the time Right. You know, so that they can rule. That would that was the thing that he was going. And hey, maybe the Maesters are following Allison's order. Yeah, keep him a little more drugged up than he's supposed to be. Cause even Otto suggested that he have it, even though I thought at the time when Otto suggested that he have it again and he refused, I thought um that Otto was doing it out of concern because of all of the groaning and everything that poor Viserys was having, was uh uttering and just trying to sit up.
4: Uh, yeah. So certainly i mean i think that in um in situations like that when somebody's in, in, in such a debilitating condition and going they're going to have extreme pain with what's going on it's not unusual that they would be taking significant amounts of pain medicine just to be comfortable and especially at the end of life issues so yeah i i i didn't see anything really terribly suspicious in any of that yes it made the circumstances did make it easier for them to get done what they wanted to do, have things go their way. But um, I don't think that they were adding to it in any, you know, to, to try and make it more so.
0: I agree. What does it say, Susan?
4: For the sake of the man or the sake of the sister, Alan and Rhaenyras at the Last Supper.
0: Yes, a lot of words there. I couldn't possibly read them all. Uh, so this is about the toasts. Um, uh-huh. What kind of read did you get off of it? How genuine did you feel any of it was? Um, does it really matter how genuine any of it was?
4: Yeah, I, I felt it was genuine. I felt it was very genuine in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they were both very moved by Viserys. And then I think Alicent was additionally very moved by what Rhaenyra had to say. I think that that little conversation they had after breaking up the fight with the boys that uh, Allison didn't want to see Rhaenyra leave and Rhaenyra said, well, she'll come back after taking the, the children home, showed that uh, they were definitely feeling some connection there. And had it gone that way, things might have you know, gone a little different.
0: um I give props to Rhaenyra for for stepping up to the plate first, um because of course that's her dad; she's going to do that for him.
1: Is like all of those toasts I thought were, were impressively, but all like you said, led by Rhaenyra, um kicked off by her, and I think that that's fitting. I thought that was fitting for her character, and, and I think that that was she's done that several times. Like she's made the overture for the. Um, uh betrothals between the 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 children like she's always kind of made the first overture for for reconciliation i think and um whether that's you know a power play like her conversation with Rainey's, you know whether that's a desperate or a opportunistic or generous uh offer who's to say but it does seem like she's not too proud to make those um gestures and i like that um yeah, I think uh I think Rhaenyra genuinely wants reconciliation. I think she but I think that that's because I don't think she can anticipate how bad it could go. <laughs> um Alison truly has the fear instilled in her from Otto that her children will die. Yeah. When Viserys dies. So I don't think that, that has ever even occurred to Rhaenyra. Um I don't know though.
0: No. But are you saying that you think that Rha- uh, Rhaenyra is naive to what Alicent may be capable of?
1: I guess so. Yeah. Like I. I mean, I know that maybe she just doesn't want to picture it. I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive. But like, I, I feel like she's not. Um, no, I can't. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack. Take it all back. I think. I think Rhaenyra knows how bad it can get. I think she just desperately tries to avoid it. She's not that dumb. She. It's been. It's been twenty years. She said that in the throne room. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate her dropping that line. She's like. When we were in this room 20 years ago, when her father named her heir, um, that is the, she has had 20 years to prepare for this. She knows it's real. She faked her husband's death. <laughs> I think there's enough evidence that I can, I can, I believe. Yeah. I don't know, John, <laughs> I want to know what John says. Maybe I'll just take that, take that out.
0: <laughs> yeah, go ahead, John. Let's let's well, see what know. Kelly says after you talk.
2: Kelly is sure John is right about this, whatever it is.
3: You pretty you pretty much just take that one to the bank if you're betting on that one. But um it's not it's not her fault. She's forced to forced to be this way. Um but yeah, no, this one I I am actually pretty close in line with Kelly. I think I think what's interesting, I hadn't really thought about it until right now, just looking at Rainier's approach. I think you see more of Viserys' indecisiveness and in attempt to avoid a conflict in her more than one would probably think. We're not seeing the Rhaenyra that was riding on top of Cyrax. We're we're seeing a Viserys uh, on the throne more in, in these situations where I think if she had... She, it's a hard line to walk. I, and I think we haven't really seen a ruler like that in the show. And I don't mean this. I mean, I guess this, this world game of Thrones, this, I mean, probably the closest one you might have is probably John snow to a degree. He had the conviction, but also the heart um, that you kind of need in that role. But that's the problem with Renira's ability. Damon has it actually, which is, he's a little bit crazy and chaotic, but like when he makes a decision, the head comes off. Or he loves you to death. Like it's you know where you stand. With Rainier, you're just kinda like, oh, I don't know. And that's how it was with Viserys. Like he loved loved Lionel. And he's like, okay, I guess he's not around. Just bring Otto back, I guess. It's hmm. it's yeah. I mean, it's I really hadn't thought about it until this whole she's trying to worm her way out of it.
0: Hmm. What do you think, Holly?
2: answer the question you posted, to kelly i i actually do think maybe rhaenyra has not considered the fact that she might have to kill her uh her uncles but um but but i'm not worried about that because i know damon's thought of that for her so she doesn't need to think about that right now. <laughs> <Good point. laughs> so she's got, he's got that side covered so her like, brothers, right? Her half brothers. Half brother, yes. Sorry, I guess that's so confusing, guys. It is. It really, really, really is. I mean, yes. they they introduce <laughs> Viserys to his uncle Pop Pop this episode right before he died. So I mean, like it's it's all a mess. <laughs> uncle yeah. Grandpa, it's weird. I don't know. Oh, say, uh,
0: Thanks sorry. Thanks for your thoughts, Jack.
1: Jack. Uh, yeah. Well, in comparison to, I think what I'm thinking of um when I think of Rhaenyra maybe being a little naive is compared to like Rainy's. I think those two have a very um like Rainey's seems like she's just accepted the fact that like knives will come out is her like she's very sad and she knew from like like the first episode like the second episode like she was saying like it's gonna be a, a fight this is gonna be a war this will never happen and this is gonna be a fight so like I don't see Rhaenyra with that like prepared of a mind and heart for this conflict so i think Rainey's and Damon have that whereas Rhaenyra and um like i guess maybe even Otto falls into that category where there's some people that just don't have that um realization yet in their behavior at least
2: that i can, I can see the foresight yeah hmm. i agree with that
3: but no, I mean, I, did, I guess I didn't really answer your question, Matt, but in terms of like does Raniere, I, I quite honestly, I think they both have the same problem with each other. I don't I don't think they understand the true depths, but I think those two may not have those depths. It's the supporting cast around them that does. And I think because they're at least insulated from the world. I think that's the problem is it's just so focused on each other and their immediate surroundings. They don't even think about the other kingdoms, the other Lords or the other kind of factions that could kind of break out. But it is interesting as we kind of like dissect this, seeing Rainey's ability to kind of go, yep. I know where I'm going to stake my claim. Like she did the dragon math before she Mm -hmm. is like, 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 like the more I'm thinking about, like she literally stacked up those dragons on sides and she said, Okay, I'm I'm putting my money on this. I'm going to I'm going to wet. We're going to make our house so tight and so strong. Granted, that tree is not going to fork too much, but it's going to be very strong and it's going to be very filled with dragons. So. Good question, man.
2: This is Kelly's punishment, but John, you're absolutely right, because Araneus is the only one that has been like that is even pointed out that. Even when before they married Lenor to Ranira, uh, she was like he's going to be a target. Like she was worried about his well being just being married to her. And we haven't even like heard Rhaenyra worry about the safety of her own kids, who she knows and knows everybody else knows are not her trueborn kids. And it seems like if she was worried about that, they would maybe be protected better or like. I don't know maybe not allowed to come to King's Landing I don't know you know you think if you were worried about people killing your children you would do a little bit more to keep them safe um neither one of them have done either one of those like anything yet to try to protect their children but Rhaenys is the only one that's actually like oh this could be bad for Laner and you know what she wasn't wrong
1: it's like history repeating itself with Viserys not preparing Rhaenyra, at least on screen that we saw. It just, yep. just doesn't feel like these kids are prepared. Jace, I would say maybe. Jace feels like he might have the... Uh, I don't
0: he's know. He's pretty good he's, at taking the high road this time around. Yeah. Until it, it got like, to, you know, out of hand with Aemond, but...
1: Diplomatically, he seems like he's got it. He's not he's a, a good really fighter. good
2: kid. He's a good kid, though. You can tell he's a
0: good kid.
3: I that he's very strong.
2: <laughs>
3: oh.
0: oh, ding, no, ding, no, ding. No.
1: I mean, yeah, you're ready. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> time for a break, folks. It's time to play a game, not a game for us, but a game for our listeners. A long time ago, we put out five scenes five, five Westerosi movie scenes where we took scenes and kind of twisted them up in a Westerosi way. Alf, based off of real movies, we asked you. They tell us what the real movies were. We got three contestants, three, three, three contestants who got all five right. They were the only three that got all five right. We have Samantha, we have Jenny, and we have Nicole. These are our three finalists, and we're going to spin the wheel. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Holly to tell me when to click because this wheel, as you can see, is already spinning. It is already spinning but it won't go full speed until I hit click. And I don't want to be accused of the person who clicked in the wrong place or at the wrong time to cause the other two to lose. So Holly, give me a countdown of three, two, one, and then say click, please.
2: Okay. Three, two, one. Click. Click.
0: ladies and gentlemen samantha is our winner samantha is our winner yay samantha that's samantha 739 i think is her handle on twitter uh she sends things via email and via twitter so i don't know which one but samantha you are the winner i will contact you you will get to win something on me uh from the hbo store uh you will win something from me uh via the hbo store which is actually the warner brothers store or something like that but it is an official an official piece of merchandise that you will be able to select for yourself congratulations samantha yay
2: in our winner matt will eat your chicken dinner
3: <laughs> he certainly did that one
0: episode <laughs> i ate everybody i ate the whole world's chicken dinner that episode
2: I felt so bad. You had to do it again. The next, like the next uh, night.
0: Yeah. For <laughs> Susan. Yeah. I had to keep going. That
2: makes me so sad.
3: Why? Why
0: <laughs> would you need do that, that much to chicken?
3: yourself?